Blog Talk Radio. are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark, Denmark Life the Country, a.k.a. Copenhagen, a.k.a. Denny. And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. And since sports never stop, since sports never sleep, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Countdown to Kickoff. I'm your host, the one and only Anthony Denmark, Denmark Fight the Country. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans of all ages, we now have 187 days until week one of the college football season. However, we do know that all those stadiums are empty. Uh, we're going to be talking to a guest from the Tesudo Times, a writer for SB Nation covering the Maryland Terrapins, Anthony Brown. We're going to talk about the Terrapins because, you know, right now the landscape of college football, we see a lot of teams who I call the others, those programs, of course, are not traditionally national powers in their efforts to try to gain national power status. We have seen them fall by the wayside, entangled in mess, allegations of sexual assault, allegations of cheating, allegations of pay-for-play. Of course, I'm talking about Ole Miss and I'm talking about Baylor. So what is the actual blueprint for a so-called program I call the others to be able to win a national championship? Because I looked in history, I looked at the past national champions over the last 30 years, and I guess we could say that Clemson would definitely count as a program that was one of the others, which was successful in making its ascension up the national scale, and making itself a national champion. However, as you scroll through history, you do notice quite quickly that there are very few others who have won national championships. We, of course, see that the last other to win a national championship was Auburn in 2010, but that was also entangled in NCAA investigations. Cam Newton's father. Scroll down some more. The last other since then, let's see. I guess we would say the last other to win a national championship. You have to go all the way back to 1991 with the Washington Huskies. And of course, we also do know that that team found itself immersed in scandal as well. In addition to that, another other member who successfully found itself winning and being crowned a national champion was the Colorado Buffaloes. All those teams were not tradition-rich programs with the history of winning national champions. However, each of those particular programs 
followed a certain blueprint. However, that blueprint in order to attain a national championship ultimately led to scandals, ultimately led to recruiting violations, and ultimately led to a huge black eye on those programs the year after they won those championships. We do know in the case of Clemson, at least thus far, there's no one speculating that there has been any type of misgivings or wrongdoings that took place as Davo Sweeney successfully took the Clemson Tigers back up the ladder of relevance and to a national power. So we do know that there's definitely a blueprint for success. However, I guess we could presume or possibly guess that Ole Miss and Baylor in their attempts to try to ascend that ladder of mediocrity and find themselves amongst the nation's elite took shortcuts. Recruited players who, of course, had questionable backgrounds, or in the case of Ole Miss, decided that since they were not able to traditionally get these top players, they figured that they would have to pay these top players. So we see that they took shortcuts, and they're getting paid for those. And unfortunately, at least in the case of Colorado, at least in the case of Washington, at least in the case of Auburn, at least they still have a national championship. Now, of course, if in fact you don't find yourself being mentioned as those blue blood, tradition-rich college football programs like the Florida States, the Alabamas, the Oklahomas, the Nebraskas, you realize that your road to finding an opportunity to win a national championship is an arduous one. It's a difficult one. It's a one that not only takes having the right coach, not only takes recruiting the right players, it also includes a lot of luck. And, of course, we do know that, of course, is what took place with several of those programs I mentioned that were successful in their attempts to win a national championship. However, those others found themselves as being one and done, which makes you realize that the ascension to being a national champion was very short-lived, short-sustained. Those coaches from those programs, either one left or either two, eventually find themselves so immersed, so entangled in scandal that they ultimately find themselves resigning and taking another job elsewhere. But, of course, that does not mean that other programs find themselves deterred or find themselves giving up on the pursuit of being able to have themselves one day being crowned as a national champion. And, of course, we can honestly say that several programs find themselves looking around, looking at their recruiting landscape, looking at the coach that they have in tow, looking at the conference that they're playing in, and see that they actually do have the requisite pieces, the requisite boosters to find themselves in that conversation to be able to possibly one day, I mean, one day be able to ascend, even if it's just for one shiny moment, to be able to contend and possibly even win a national championship. And, of course, Baylor, Ole Miss failed. But where Baylor and Ole Miss failed, is it possible that Maryland can succeed? Well, to get these answers, let's go ahead and get Anthony Brown. He's a writer for SB Nation covering the Maryland Terrapins to see if, in fact, the, the right blueprint is in place. 
because they finished with the 18th ranked recruiting class in the country, only behind Clemson, who won the national championship. So let's go ahead and find out if, in fact, Maryland is on the right track and to check on the status of the program thus far. Welcome hey, to the show. Anthony, thank you for hey, Anthony, thank you for having me on the show, sir. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, of course, one of the things that I mentioned before is that each program in the entire country wants to be able to ascend amongst the nation's elite. However, we do know at the end of the day there will only be four teams in the playoffs. There will only be one champion. And when we look at history, we do see that non-traditional college football powerhouses oftentimes find that track to getting to that level to be quite difficult. Of course, in the news, we see that Ole Miss, Baylor, and even Oregon fell short. They took shortcuts. Uh, thus far in uh, Durkin's uh, second recruiting class, how do you see him? Has he laid the foundation to uh, make a championship a uh, foreseeable goal in the near to immediate future? I mean, I think so, because you look at his first recruiting class in 2016. I mean, it was a top 50 recruiting class. I think they were 42. Um, and you look at this year, as you mentioned, he's 18th now and fourth in the Big Ten um, from last year being seventh. So he's clearly improving. And um, you look at some of the guys he got, Cam Spence, Kasim Hill, the Gaddy twins, Brayon and Brandon, and Anthony McFarlane, who was um, who Maryland was in the conversation with for his services with Alabama, with teams like Alabama and Miami. So um, – Maryland be um, <clears throat> out their services uh, out those schools for his ser- for his services. Excuse me. Absolutely. Now, of course, when we look at history, we do know that ultimately one of the most important components are being able to build a national championship team, specifically in the case of programs who do not have a rich history in in, the, in college football. Is it starts at the quarterback position. And, of course, in the past, we've talked to you before, we do know that in the past Maryland's biggest struggles have been at the quarterback position. However, there is a guy that you guys recruited, Kasim Hill. Some people are saying that this guy is the quarterback of the future. But in the case of due to graduation, is he the quarterback of right now? And uh, tell my listeners a little about this dynamic guy who's already gracing the, the cover of all the ticket sales for tickets to Maryland football games. Well, you know, I think he's the QB of now, but it depends on what the competition um, he sees in training camp and during a season he goes up against because the Big Ten is tough and um, other teams outside of the conference are tough. So, you know, I feel like it will depend on what Durkin wants, what Durkin sees out of him and what Durkin wants in a quarterback for right now and for the future. I mean, and we have a talented uh, – or Maryland, excuse me, has a talented um, fleet of quarterbacks this year, more than, more talent than they've had, you know, when um, I want to say C.J. Brown or Perry Hills was around. Um, and they're going more towards the uh, dual-threat quarterbacks, more athletic quarterbacks that they've – you know, had in the past, and I think that's their niche now. That's what they want to see and what they want to have. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with uh, Anthony Brown. 
He covers the uh, Maryland Terrapins for SB Nation. Now, of course, we do know that ultimately, although, of course, quarterbacks oftentimes garner most of the headlines or at least the face time on the tickets. However, we do know that specifically in the case of Maryland, uh, they're going to need a complete overhaul at wide receiver. Uh, tell my listeners a little bit about some of the uh, offensive weapons that they are welcoming in the, welcoming into College Park in this 2017 class. Well, in the 2017 class, they got they got a few guys. Um, they got, I think, seven uh, guys um, that could be wide receivers or uh, transition to running back. Um, and, you know, I really like uh, Carlos Carrera, I want to believe. He's uh, out of, I believe, Georgia or Florida. Um, and I really like his, they, um, their hire, um, that pickup. And, um, you know, I've, I really feel like they just uh, got – they overhauled that area and um, they need – to make sure that they can solidify that um, area moving forward and they have steady pieces that will allow them to have strength in that area, not only for the offense, but maybe if some guys transition to special teams, that could be an area and we don't have uh, a situation where um, we just have one guy in the case of William Mikeley, where he is our main special teams guy and that's all, you know, teams will look at. We need to have, you know, multiple guys on offense at the wide receiver position that can help us out. Multiple guys, you know, that also are wide receivers um, that could help us out in special teams as well. Absolutely. Now, of course, one of the things that's quite awesome about the Maryland Terrapins uh, 2017 class is they have, a set, they have seven early enrollees. And as we do know, that it's definitely – there's a very – it's not much – it's definitely not a shortage of talent. Of course, there is definitely a shortage on experience. Uh, but tell my listeners a little bit about some of these dynamic playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Because, you know, you look at Ohio State, you look at Penn State, you know that they're going to need some help on the defensive side of the ball to be able to slow down some of these dynamic offenses next. Well, you know, I look at their defensive guys that they got. I mean – we have the Gaddy twins, Brayon Gaddy and Brandon Gaddy, two defensive tackles from Bishop Sullivan in Virginia. Cam Spence, a Damascus kid, who um, and we heavily recruited Damascus um, extensively over the last few years or so. So um, I think you know those three guys are going to be key for us on the defensive side. Then you have um, Lotez Rogers out of Roosevelt um, in. Uh, Beamont Miller from St. Francis Academy. Um, I think the first three guys that I mentioned, Cam Spence, Brown Getty, and um, Brandon Getty, are going to see time early. I'm not sure when. It may be early in the season or um, towards the middle, but I think those guys are going to play early and often. Absolutely. Now, of course, we do know that oftentimes some of the troubles that often follow programs as they attempt to make that ascension up the ladder trying to go from seven wins to eight wins to ten wins, is they often find themselves uh, having being uh, risk-taking shortcuts. Now, of course, that's what took place with Baylor, which, of course, is now in its own scandal, and, of course, also took place with Ole Miss. Tell me, why why are things going to be different in Maryland? 
Well, you know, you look at those scandals, and I think with Maryland, yes, there was a situation with the BB gun incident with Lorenzo Harrison and DJ Turner. Was that a bad look for the university and the football program? Yes. But I feel like I think or I would hope that the, you know, uh, players would learn from their mistakes, learn from the mistakes that those players made and um, not not bring more negative press to the program. Because that affects recruiting, that affects more than just a football program. Absolutely. Now, of course, one of the things that Coach Durkin really stressed is the importance of being able to focus on the DMV. And, of course, for my listeners who do not know what the DMV, uh, it's probably one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the country. The DMV, of course, stands for D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. However, we do know that right now competition in the DMV is more fierce than ever. you got Penn State doing good things. you got, of course, Pittsburgh doing good things. You have Virginia Tech also doing good things. How competitive have things gotten in the DMV uh, due to success of those programs who almost primarily recruit in the same area? Well, I mean, the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area has a lot of lot of talent. And like the schools you mentioned, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, those have all been recruiting rivals for Maryland ever since for a long time. Um, I'm not so sure in terms of Maryland's move to the Big Ten, but I know Penn State has been a huge, uh, you know, um, opponent in recruiting for Maryland. And I think, you know, it's going to get even more competitive with, you know, just every recruiting class because more and more time in the DMV is going to come through. There are going to be guys that, you know, either want to stay home or, you know, and join that movement, or they want to go elsewhere and see where their where their talents can um, flourish, you know. But I think it's important for Maryland to not only look at the DMV, but look at other areas like Florida, for example, um, and um, you know, see what else is out there. But also make it a point to recruit at home because you know, home is um, recruiting at um, the home state and the home areas. You know, would do would bode well for the program overall in my eyes. Absolutely. Get him on the line with Anthony Brown, uh, a writer for SB Nation covering the Maryland Terrapins. Now, of course, we do know that the NFL combine is only days away. And we do know that there is one dynamic player that, of course, I remember us talking about over the summer. He was actually the only Terrapin invited to the combine, Will Likely. He, of course, is also, unfortunately, uh still recovering from a torn ACL. Where is he at in his recovery? And uh, when will, of course, we will not, he's not going to be running at the combine, but when will he be ready to run? You know, I'm, it's like, I'm not entirely sure. My hope is that if he gets drafted or he gets a uh, free agent deal um, with his ACL tear, you know, ACL, they take a long time to recover. Um, the recovery process is long, it's arduous, it's hard. Um, so my hope and my thought process would be he would be hopefully ready before, um, you know, the training camp process, rookie mini camp, things of that nature, so we can get to see him in, in an NFL capacity, whether it's on, you know, um, at a back, as a backup, 
you know, on the 53-man roster or he ascends up the ladder, you know, from the practice, as a practice squad player and comes in that way. So, of course, Will Lightfoot, of course, is probably one of the most dynamic players in college football. He, of course, razzled and dazzled with his speed and his throwest play on the special teams and also as a talented cornerback despite his diminutive size. However, of course, he suffered an injury, and, of course, his success is definitely going to be one to watch. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on to the show, and I definitely look forward to talking to you more about the Terrapins and more about D.J. Durkin as, of course, his team continues to make bowl games a guarantee and make 10-win seasons a possibility. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eddie, for having me on again. I appreciate it. Now, of course, we do know that, you know, with certain programs, winning's just not as easy as it is at other places. Winning at Alabama, winning at USC, winning at Florida State, winning at Oklahoma is a lot easier. Why? Because they have history on their side. They have the traditions of winning. They have the boosters. They have the support of the town. And oftentimes there's no worry or concern in regards to if, in fact, the uh, athletic director is fully committed to the program. Now, of course, we do know that in the case of Maryland, due largely to uh, them being backed by Under Armour, uh, their goal is to become Oregon East. However, like I said in the opening, Oregon East, Oregon still didn't win the national championship. Oregon did, of course, win a Heisman with Marcus Mariota, but we want to see when are we going to see another team from the category of an other that ascension. We do know ultimately that it starts with the quarterback. We, of course, know that that's what took Clemson from being a good team to a great team. In the case of Maryland, maybe Kasim Hill will be the quarterback to help Maryland make that ascension. But again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, we are definitely going to see what's up. Now, going on with other happenings in the world of college football, like I said at the opening, there is a lot to report. We do know that this past week, uh, Trent Thompson, probably one of the most talented defensive tackles in the country, uh, he left school. As reported that he had an incident in a car where he reportedly ingested some drugs and you know what that situation is going to go. At this particular time, the most talented defensive players in the SEC are right now in a state of uncertainty. As Arden Key, of course, uh, left school for personal reasons. Again, I'm not speculating anything that's drug-related, but we also do know, like I said before, Trent Thompson from Georgia, another talented defensive player, also left school to deal with some personal issues. We, of course, wish both of these young men and their family nothing but the best. Although we do like to believe that football is also important, we do know at the end of the day that a quality of life is the most important characteristic. So we wish both of these young men a steady recovery. If, in fact, they return to the field, it definitely will be great. But what's more important is that they get their lives together. But and other news to report. Now, we do know that this past weekend an incident took place in Arkansas, and no, it did not involve Brett Bielema, 
No, Brett Bisma was not involved. No, it didn't involve Bobby Petrino in a motorcycle. It involved Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, of course, at some particular point was actually the Ozone's favorite to be a Heisman favorite at this particular point in the offseason. However, he found himself getting arrested for being drunk and disorderly. In addition to that, he ran for the cops and was taught, I guess, his elusive ability is only limited to the gridiron. But nevertheless, he did issue a public apology. He apologized for embarrassing his family. He said he believed that he brought shame to his family's name. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I oftentimes find myself, when incidents take place, often find myself relating it to movies. And there's no better comparison to Baker Mayfield, who, of course, is known for being a fiery guy, known for being a risk taker, known for having no fear at all. I don't know about you guys, but he reminds me of Joe Kane. Joe Kane, of course, is a character from the movie The Program, a college football movie that took place in 1992. And check out this clip, and I want to see if, in fact, you agree with me. Because I don't know. After I heard this, all I saw was Baker Mayfield. I'm a king, Camille. We're just a bunch of drunks and fuck-ups. It's what we do. It's in our blood. My dad, my uncles, my brothers, we all drink. Sooner or later, we all fuck up. Sometimes I just feel like I'm waiting for my turn. You don't have to be like them. You can give all that up. Then what? Then what would I be? You'd still be Joe. And that's enough. The image, uh, as we know, that Baker Mayfield's off-season exploits have been well chronicled. From his time at Texas Tech when he was a walk-on to his time at Oklahoma, to his off-field issues, to his ongoing war of words with Gary Patterson. Just a complete, I don't want to say F up, but always finds himself immersed in some type of scandal that's not often related to the football field. Now, of course, like in the case of Arden Keith, like in the case of Trent Thompson, I do wish nothing but the best for this young man. However, we do know that in this particular situation, it's definitely intriguing to see how Bob Stoops is going to respond. This past season, Bob Stoops finds himself immersed in the scandal, people questioning his decision-making, people wondering if, in fact, he chose winning as he allowed Joe Mixon to play, as he allowed D.D. Westbrook to play. So it's going to be very intriguing to see how Bob Stoops deals with this situation. Because in the last time we saw Bob Stoops, Yes, Oklahoma did win the game. But each time Joe Mixon touched the ball, you heard boos in the crowd, and it just was a huge black eye, not only on Bob Suits, but also on the Oklahoma Sooner program. When you consider the schedule and you see that Oklahoma actually plays Ohio State the second game of the season in Ohio State, no D.D. Westbrook, no Joe Mixon, no Samaje P. Ryan. And you have to say to yourself, we know that Bob Stoops likes to win. 
But I wonder, he is going to face one of his toughest decisions possible. Will he even sit him for the first game? Will Baker Mayfield miss any time? Or will we hear what's commonly heard as we handle it internally? But again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And of course, of course, we're definitely going to see things that I oftentimes find very intriguing about college football, which is something that's very different than college basketball. It is oftentimes so many teams could find themselves being eliminated from actually being in contention for a national championship, just based off of name and tradition alone. Because unlike college basketball, where you have teams like Villanova, or you have teams like North Carolina State back in the day, or you have teams like Michigan way, way back in the day, or you have teams like Texas Southern way, 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 way back in the day, or Syracuse during the time of Carmelo Anthony, other teams who do not have a history of winning championships actually have a chance. But in college football, it is just so rare. I mean, just think about it. Clemson won a national championship, which is awesome. But after Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama, 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 Florida, LSU, Florida, Texas, USC, LSU, Ohio State, Miami, Oklahoma, Florida State, Michigan, Florida, Nebraska, Nebraska, Florida State, Alabama, Miami, Penn State, Oklahoma, Miami, Penn State, Georgia, Alabama, Alabama, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's like a pattern here. And in that pattern, what is literally missing is so many other teams who every college football program's fan base believes that they actually are going to win a national championship. And the thing that's odd about it is I find myself guilty of this as well because I am actually a diehard Kansas State fan. But like to believe that this year or whenever, we're actually going to be in contention for a national championship. However, history suggests and history has proven time and time again that only certain teams win national championships. And when teams who are not supposed to, quote, unquote, win national championships, it happens because something went wrong. Some player must have got paid. There must have been some type of wrongdoing at some particular program at some particular level because there's just no way that no team outside of the teams who always win, all the teams I just listed, I went from current all the way to 1974. And very rarely do we see teams outside of those teams winning. And this is very compelling how in spite of history being right in front of our face, Every fan base across the country, from Maryland to Kansas State to Texas A&M to UCLA to Oregon to Baylor to Ole Miss, think that they're actually going to win a national championship. When in hindsight, 
there's really only five teams every year. Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, and USC. But for some reason, we all hold out hope that our team will be the exception. And just like I was heartbroken in 2000 when Kansas State was that close to being the exception, but fell short. Or when Boise State didn't even get a chance to be an exception. It's gotten to this particular point now in college football that if, in fact, you find yourself being carrying the title of being a so-called other program, that you're forced to settle for consolation prizes. And you hoist up these consolation prizes, and there's confetti coming all over the place. There's Gatorade baths. But nevertheless, it's still the reality is that guess what? you still did not win a national championship. And in hindsight, chances are you will never win a national championship. But, you know, us forever being the optimists, us seeing teams like BYU, us seeing teams like Clemson, us seeing teams like Washington, us seeing teams like Colorado, we hold out hope that we could find ourselves being that one team every 10 to 15 years to be able to win a national championship. However, in order to do that, oftentimes, besides the case of Clemson, if, in fact, you do not have a once-in-a-generational type of talent, i.e. Deshaun Watson, i.e. Vince Young, i.e. Mike Vick, chances are the only way you're going to win that championship is by cheating. And then you have to ask your quest, ask yourself this question. If, in fact, you get that championship and it happens via way of cheating, they may be able to take away the trophy, i.e., Reggie Bush. They may be able to take away the banners, but they can't take away the parade. They can't take away the experience. They can't take away the memories of being able to know that you finished one season as the national championship, as the national champion. And I think that's the hope and the prayer and the faith that so many college fan bases carry week in and week out, hoping and praying to be the exception. Although realizing and also ultimately accepting that exception is very, I mean, very, very rare. And no more is it going to be more relevant than when we watch what happens to Clemson in 2017. Because we've seen Clemson play without Deshaun Watson. And they were uh, a good team. We've seen Clemson play with Deshaun Watson. And they were a great team. Interesting to see how far Clemson drops with Deshaun Watson going to the NFL. Auburn won a national championship. And since winning that national championship, yes, they did play for another national championship. But since then, the program has been an afterthought. Colorado, Georgia Tech, 
won a national championship, shared a national championship in 1990. But since then, settling for nothing but consolation prize. While Alabama's won championship after championship. While Oklahoma, Ohio State, Miami, Florida State continue to collect one championship after the other. Will there be exceptions in 2017? All you have to do is look at the quarterback, and you'll have your answer. If that quarterback is a dynamic, once-in-a-generation type of talent, then you have a chance. But since there's been so few of those since 1974, that means that that chance is quite rare. But again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely going to see what's happening, and we're definitely going to see what's up. We, of course, now have 187 days until kickoff. And since time is not stopping with each hour, with each minute, with each second, with each day, we grow that much closer to football. I want to thank Anthony Brown for tuning in, for coming on as a guest. I also want to thank you guys for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can listen to me on Stitcher. Follow your boy on SoundCloud. And your boy even got on to Instagram, where I share my unique personality and my thoughts about the college football season, the pictures, videos, and, of course, my own sarcasm. So as I bring this show to a close, remember that sports gives us an opportunity to take a timeout from life and all the things that have a tendency of stressing us out. To all the college football programs who consider themselves another, remember, all you need is one shining moment, one shining player. Clemson did it. Villanova did it. Will your program, has your program, added the player needed to be able to do it in 2017? We're definitely going to see what's happening, and we're definitely going to see what's up. Talk to you guys later. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in count and the number two and down, one word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happenings as well at eatdrinksleepsports.com. Until next time, college sports football fans, stay tuned. I know I will. Peace.